Welcome back to Cozy Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Corey, and I go by he, him, his pronouns. I'm one of your other hosts, Sasha. I go by she, her, hers. And this week, Maxine is not with us, unfortunately. But don't worry, she will be back next episode. But we do have a special prize for you guys. Or I want to say prize. Nice little treat for you guys. Uh, we have our first guest, so uh, I'll let her introduce herself. Hello, Governor. Let me stop. My <laughs> name is Ashley, and I go by she, her, hers, and I'm super excited to be here. Yes. Welcome, welcome, Ashley. Thank you for joining us this episode. So, the guys, this week, you guys are going to be getting a nice double dose of Cozy Chat because uh, some of our listeners may or may not have noticed. Uh, you're getting two episodes today, <laughs> at least today as of when this episode goes live, not as today when we're recording. So in the future today, because, you know, I'm busy <laughs> and trying to edit a podcast along with other life things, you know, it takes a lot of time and stuff like that. So that's definitely onus on me. So for that, you guys will be getting two episode drops when every this week when this episode comes out. So thank you for sticking with us. You know, I know the last two or three episodes have been a little irregular, but thank you for sticking with us anyway. And now, uh, how is everyone's week? How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing amazing. <laughs> my weekend has been filled with business stuff. Doing my copywriting business. Insert promo here. Let me stop. <laughs> no, feel free. Say it selfless. Plug. Go. So, yes, I'm a copywriter. So, I've been doing my little freelance biz um, throughout this weekend. I typically tend to do it on the weekdays, though, because, you know, weekends are for relaxing. So for all the entrepreneurs and solopreneurs out there, please take your weekends. Do not, don't do it. You're going to burn yourself out. Don't do it. Take your weekends to yourself because I know you, I know you need that guap, but your body needs that rest. So listen to it. Okay. Um, and other than that, yeah, I've been, been getting in my protein, getting in my water. <laughs> All very important things. For all the self-care things. <laughs> yeah, all the self-care things. Okay. That's enough about me. Yeah. My week's been good. I just worked. Um, then I ended up going out to eat for a friend's birthday yesterday, so it was fun. Ooh, what'd you eat? We went to... Um, I don't remember the name of the restaurant, but it's some Italian restaurant in the Bronx. In the oh, Bronx. Italian food so much. Yeah. I'm like, I live in Queens, so the trip to the trip to Bronx was intense. Um, but I go to school in the Bronx, so I'm used to it now. 
I'm trying to wrap my head around that geography because my geography, my geographical skills are garbage. So I'm thinking, yeah. oh, all of New York is just next to New York. <laughs> no, it, it takes a minute. And also going to Queens to the Bronx is weird because you'd think there would be trains from the Bronx to Queens because they're right next to each other. No. But instead, the trains go from either borough through Manhattan to get to the other borough. So yeah. it's not like a direct line, which makes the time be so much more like extended so it makes no sense there should be how else would they make their money through low-key capitalism through you not to make you stop in manhattan <laughs> yeah 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 that's the only way to get there um i don't i don't even know if there's like a bus that goes from queens to the bronx i think there is mostly because i'm pretty sure there's a bus in the bronx that goes to um was it LaGuardia? Um, I think I'm, oh, maybe. I don't yeah. live by LaGuardia, though. Cause, so I think, I think there are a few buses that go from the Bronx to Queens. Not that many, but yeah. Mm. I'd have to double check that. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's that capitalism. Yeah, it definitely is. Because the way that the transit system in New York is set up is that when they're developing it, Manhattan was a place where people worked. Um, particularly people, you know, of color in their service jobs, but the people of color, because, you know, central Manhattan, a lot of Manhattan was kind of separated off for like, you know, the more affluent white people, everyone else kind of had to commute from the outer boroughs into Manhattan. So the way the transit system is set up is that everything kind of goes, funnels through Manhattan. Yeah. So that's why you have like instead of direct lines going from the bronx to queens it's from bronx through manhattan to queens yeah there's and there's also um through like for brooklyn there's certain parts of brooklyn you have to from queens you have to go from queens to manhattan to brooklyn which also didn't make some sense because they're literally on the same landmass. Like, yeah, we're right next to each other. It's, it's literally like right there. And they have this whole new plan that they outlined for rest. I don't know if it was just for Queens or if it was for all of the boroughs. They did this. They're doing this whole bus restructuring, like with the bus stops, and it's gonna um, eliminate a lot of bus stops, which is gonna f with people because like people are so used to having their close local bus stops and they're going to just get rid of some of those. Sometimes I don't understand the MTA. <laughs> um, it's like they always want to like reduce services or increase prices or they're always saying they don't have money for things. And yet at the end of the year, they're generally giving each, their like executives and stuff like that, these huge bonuses. And I'm just like, I thought you didn't have money for yeah. the transit system, which is why you're increasing prices. Yeah. If you don't have money, how are you giving yourself these extravagant bonuses? Those extravagant bonuses should be going back into the MTA to upgrade and update and maintain the transit system. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not happy about this bus plan. And they were like, well, we're going to have community hearings. And I looked up like when oh my, my community hearing was. I didn't find out until after my community hearing. I'm like, they didn't promote this well. They they usually don't. I and even happy. and even like the they usually don't promote them. And then the community hearings 
really never amount to much anyway because they just sit there and like, oh yeah, we hear you, blah, 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 blah. But it's not like they're going to implement anything, so. Yeah. Yeah, somebody was talking about like they might, when the implement changes get implemented, they may have to start taking Ubers around or taking like cabs and taxis and it's going to be expensive for them because they're, they're like, I'm not going to go all the way like 20 blocks away to get to that bus stop. It makes no sense. Um, as far as my week, um, it's been okay. Um, today is like National Girlfriend Day, I've heard. Mm. Um, yeah, so I guess I my to... boyfriend missed that memo. Ooh, I, I hope I didn't get anyone in trouble. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went to Johnny Rockets with my girlfriend. So she could, you know, cash in her birthday prize at Johnny Rockets. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of been my week. Oh, one last plug. I went to this ice cream shop in Brooklyn called Island Pops. It's like Caribbean owned. Mm-hmm. They have some really dope ice cream. Really? Yeah. So it's called Island Pops? Yeah, Island Pops. It's in Crown Heights. Ooh, I'll have to try that next time I'm over there. Yeah, it's um St. Mark's and Ave and Nostrand. A lot of things have been going on and popping off. Uh, mm. I don't even know if we even want to talk about any of those things. Like, uh, I, did you guys hear about what happened with like the baby and his ridiculous ass comments? Honestly, no. Almost I heard a little all bit. of my, almost all of my, I I well. I made kind of like the conscious decision like a good minute ago to kind of like sweep all of my social media and like almost now 80 to 90% of it is just straight, either business-based or memes. <laughs> it's like business, memes, and friends. That's pretty yeah. much now. Um, because yeah. I, I, uh, before I had like so many, a lot of it was like feminist kind of things. And I'm like, I'm a proud intersection from us. You already know. I'm like a reincarnated little Black Panther over here. But <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, I definitely want my Black and Hispanic peeps out there to know when to be like, your mental health, like it, it, it creeps up on you. It creeps up on you when you're scrolling on that, when you're scrolling on that Facebook, when you're scrolling on the Instagram, scrolling on the Twitter, it will sneak up on you. And before you know it, it's Friday and you just feel mad as shit at the world and wondering why. And you're waking up mad and you're wondering why. Mm. Yeah. Like if that's happening, if that's happening, if you're waking up with like an ant, like, like, the, like the weight of an anvil on your heart, whether it's anxiety or just feeling like you just, you just want to punch something every damn day, then chances are it may be time to sweep the feed a little bit, to do a little spring cleaning of the feed. And it's mm. like... And people should know that it doesn't make them any less down for the cause yeah. if, if they take a step back a little bit. Like I'm mm. still like I'm still on the up and up when it comes to like black business related stuff, DEI related stuff, you know, um just all things inclusion related, LGBTQIA related, feminist related. But now I've made it I've made it so that I can do it on my time when I know I have the mental capacity for it. Yeah. And it's not just creeping up on me. Yeah, and I did a similar thing. Um, And, like, 
I think you noticed like what a year or two ago when you was asking me, oh, you keep posting all these other things, like my like the content on my particularly like my Facebook and also my Instagram kind of shifted because it was a lot of like similarly my newsfeed was filled with a lot of pro black and black activists and a lot of things that was going on, but because of just because of all the amount of like black death and black abuse and all these things are just, it was almost constant. It almost felt like the media and everything was almost intentionally trying to like ignite rage within the black community. And at some point, you know, you have to prioritize your own joy and mental health and self-care. I do think like black joy is is a type of black revolution, you know, um, I think. Oh no, it the, is. Yeah. Rest, think, rest, 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 and breaks, and taking time off. It's a yeah. Like, I think one of the a, biggest, whole, the biggest yeah. things about racism is that it tries to steal our joy. You know, it tries to, no matter what we're doing, we can't feel like we are deserving of any type of joy, or love, or respect, mm. or human decency. So prioritizing your joy in your mental and spiritual and physical well-being is a very liberatory act within itself so yeah now i, I, post would, a I, lot would, of, I would even i would even go as far as to call it a deliberate act of defiance in, yeah. in the face of like when you take when you when you call into that job and take your damn sick day that you accrued when you call into your job and take off that damn pto that you accrued you deserve yeah. it right like yeah. that, that is an act of saying, I don't have to succumb to what I've been raised to believe I deserve. Mm-hmm. Like I can be more, I can ask yeah. for more and I can, and once I achieve it, I could still ask for more. And, and you be deserve like, more. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can keep asking for more again and again and again. Like it, it never has to be a train that stops. Yeah. Never has to be a train that stops. The one thing that I've done, I'm like, I still look at all the activist stuff and it doesn't really bother me. But what I actively have done is avoided the police cam footage, like those body cams. I don't watch that anymore. Like, that's the one thing that I had to put a hard line and say, I'm never doing this ever again. Um, I have a friend who went... um, it, what was it? Uh, the girl who got shot in Ohio, right? Jesus. Are you talking about recently? Um, yeah. Micaiah um, Bryant? Was yes, Micaiah Bryant. Yeah, Micaiah Bryant. I had a friend who sent me the body cam footage. I've, I've like, seen the like, body cam footage. And I so. had to, like, I told her, like, I'm not watching this. She's like, well, it doesn't even show the shooting. I'm like, I'm still not watching it. Like, I, no matter what I, you say, I'm not watching it. I don't know what body cam footage she was watching, or maybe I was watching the dash cam. No, it was body cam because you even walked up to the body and it was like, and it was ridiculous what happened in the video. Um, but yeah, at some point, and again, I chose to watch that video. I was like, okay, I've heard the story, whatever. I kind of was in a space where I was like, you know what? I am capable of watching the video at this moment. So I chose to watch the video which is very different than it just popping up on your instagram feed or whatever and now you just missing a black woman be shot to death in front of you you know you weren't ready for that and i also think it's like important for people to 
I think it's important for people to be able to distinguish the difference between, right, looking at, because it's like things can appear like they're activism, but then yeah. activism has like two sides, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather read about, you know, like a march fighting for rights versus like a whole blog about the, the rights that we're lacking. Like, you see how like it's the same thing, but two different sides of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the- so it's like, it's, it's like, it's like looking at things that are focused on, actively making the change or doing things to moving forward to making that change versus only focusing on what's lacking like what's yeah. missing what we're not getting what we're, yeah. you know what I mean? there's this um she's not an activist but she's a part of a afro-latino uh, afro-latina collective and she always says this she's like instead of saying yes but which diminishes the narrative say yes and expand the narrative so that yeah instead of saying yes but this is what's happening yes and this can be happening and it's it's to me i found it very useful now Mm -hmm. that's good that sounds like some straight like mindfulness her name is um, evelyn alvarez just to give her some credit it. <laughs> yeah, because we make sure people get their, their flowers. flowers. That sounds like the, I'm gonna use that from now on. That sounds like the most zen thing I heard all week. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and mind you, like people like in improv have been doing that since forever. Like yes, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, here yeah. being <laughs> a resident actor or former actor or whatever I am now. Yeah, like. You know, yes, and was like a, just an improv game exercise, whatever. We kind of build on. It's the idea that instead of like trying to change or you know minimize whatever you've been given by another person, you're just adding to the story. It's always you're adding to it, kind of like what Jasasa was just saying. So instead of trying to minimize what's going on by saying "but," "well," "you know," "kinda," all these other things, it's like yes accept and acknowledge it and you know this could be happening at the same time and we could be doing more so yeah and i think that particularly when we start talking about the very the intersections of you know racial justice and liberation and all these different things there are people who want to say yes but this should come first or yes but things should be happening this way I also think yeah. I also think yes and kind of gives your yes and gives your words more accountability. Like whatever's going to come out of your mouth after the and, you're taking accountability for understanding the information that you're saying, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. when you say yes, but anything after that but is just again just displacing blame again or redirecting it again or making like, excuses. Yeah, that too. And then it's just like. You say yes, but, and then it's like, what What are we supposed to do after the but? Like, what are, what is anyone supposed to do with that information other than be upset, other than be yeah. tired, other than be mad? Yeah, because like, all you've done is after, everything after the but dismisses anything before the but. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's even like, oh, you got this A, it. but you got this B in this class. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, now what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah, because thinking about it, like, I, yesterday I got into a conversation about the In the Heights movie. 
I still haven't seen it. And like I want to see it, but I also kind of. My, uh, my thing about it is like when I like we we mentioned it and I made a face and the person like one of the people who I was in a conversation with, they first thing they asked me, which I found was interesting, was have you watched the movie? Like watching the movie makes a difference, <laughs> but I feel like what I watched the movie with my mom like as an early screening and we both hated it. Um, not so for like, the issues wait, wait, of I, I, need, I need to be filled in on what this movie is because I feel like I'm lost like um, so In the Heights is based on Lin-Manuel um, Miranda's play that he made in like college and it's about Washington Heights this neighborhood in uh, like upper Manhattan that's full of Dominican people and and the movie is whitewash. Like oh. the main character is meant to be Dominican. He's a white Puerto Rican. Like most of the main faces in the movie are white Latinos. Like there's one Afro Latina, and she barely looks Afro Latina. Um, and so like, not like so not like vampires in Brooklyn. No, the opposite. Vampires I, in Brooklyn. I, I love. I love that movie. Vampires like, in Brooklyn was amazing. Like when I tell yeah. you, when I tell you, because I like, because I don't even watch, like I don't watch novellas or anything like that. Oh, I do. But it's like seeing this movie, seeing that movie kind of gave me like the same feeling, like, like when I saw Black Panther the first time, I was like, I love all this blackness, I love it. And then it's like I saw Vampire in the Hat, I'm like, um, Vampires in Brooklyn. I was like. I love all this representation. And I think it for the people, amazing. and I think for the people who criticize and, you know, probably don't want to watch In the Heights or support In the Heights, I think, or the people, even for the people who are arguing that we should support In the Heights because of the quote unquote level of like, you know, Latinx and Hispanic representation that is happening. Right, so not to, there is some representation, but the representation. You mean the same kind they get skewed. in like every other novella? I was no? like, exactly. it's the same representation but, we've been seeing in every exactly. novella, everything. And the idea is that and we don't have to revolutionary. just yeah, and we don't have to just sit down and you know kind of take that anymore. We have things, you know, movies like Black Panther. We have movies like Get Out, and then we have movies like you know, uh, Vampires in the Bronx, you know, which is an actual representation of what kids in the Bronx look like, yeah. you know? You and know. how the Bronx sounds, like. Is that, like. The flow, it's, it encapsulated. It's very natural. So well. It, in the Heights was like, this could have been any Latino place. Like, it could have been Jackson Heights or Corona in Queens. Like, somebody was like, was it Jackson Heights? <laughs> Yeah, like you just don't get a feel for the actual identity of the place because the actual identity of the place has been stripped away to make it more consumable for a white audience. Yeah. So it's a show. And I think even, excuse me, I think even the play, original play got the same type of backlash, right? Because it was even a lot of the actors and stuff in the original um, Broadway musical were still people still felt it was whitewashed, you know? And then they kind of just did the same thing on the big screen and people are just like, you know what, F this. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what I expected out of the movie when I watched it. I just saw, like, I got an email at my uh, 
my school email and it was like, well, there's a free screening for, it was like through the like Chicanics, whatever Mexican studies program at my school, they sent us like a blast email, like, oh, there's a free screening of In the Heights. You just have to sign up. I was like, sure, it's free. Let me watch it. So me and my mom watched it and it wasn't even representation. We didn't even consider the representation. We just hated it in general. It was trash. Like, I don't recommend the movie at all. Like now thinking about the color, I don't recommend it because of that. But from jump, the storyline is trash. It doesn't look like New York. It doesn't sound like New York. I don't know what Lin-Manuel Miranda experienced living in the Heights. Cause looking like me and my friend Martika were looking it up. He lives in the white people part of the Heights. Condos right by the river where black people are pretty much not allowed to be. Like she was walking in that area with a friend and a security guard told them they needed to get out. Like, you know, that's privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So watch it at your own risk. I don't know. I just didn't like it. <laughs> and I guess that's just yeah. It's not a terrible movie, but also it's not a very representative movie, and it kind of misses the mark of what it's trying to do. And in doing that, it literally erases what the heights actually is. So. This is why my ass moving to Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> to I Ecuador. Yup, I'm tired of this country. Why Ecuador? Because one, they take U.S. dollars. They use U.S. currency, so I could work wherever the hell I feel like and not have to transfer or currently. I don't have to flip over money. Like I don't have to convert anything. Okay. I can just get paid in U.S. And on top of that, on top of that, you know they have tons of black expats over there and they're super friendly um a huge indigenous population who are also super friendly towards black people you know they got the areas with the you know the, the you know the white the white retirees and you know spain looking people you know they act, you know but for the most part they have like a lot of welcoming communities out there it's cheap um i would miss amazon stuff definitely but mm-hmm. i can live without that but I would be able to wake up in a fully furnished high-end condo for what I'm making on a monthly basis right now. Or okay. on a pretty ass house. That makes sense. Get a maid. Like, mm. what? I'm trying to have a whole... And when I say maid, I'm talking about a person who's there eight hours a day doing cooking, cleaning, laundry. Like, oh, if I wanted okay. her every damn day, that's 400 a month to have her every day. That's 400 a month? That's, that's a little more than like, what, like that's like maybe twice as much as my car payment. Like, okay. Mm, I'm always skeevy about this whole expat community in country in other countries, but... Mm-hmm. Which I totally understand. And, and I know, it's because we're kind of like yeah. economy for other people, but... I would not be effing up like I wouldn't be trying to like go into like a poor community and going like, hey, I'm going to buy up this property, buy. Like I'm trying to get yeah. like an already made property. I'm not trying to like, if anything, I'm trying to just live as if I never even went there. Like mm. I just want to be there, have it, find a nice little house. I don't, I don't want to build anything new. I'm not even about that. I just want to have a house that's already made or a condo already made and just be like 
just yeah. there. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to have as little of a footprint as possible. Mm. And if I'm not and sure, have, and, and, and with any disposable income, I would like to help the people there. Yeah. I don't know how I would manage, but I'd figure something. I'd figure yeah. something. Yeah. I'd figure something. Yeah, because yeah. I just think of like there's there's this one thing that like it just makes like my dad's african-american black and my mom's panamanian so like i have the black from down south and then the latin central american perspective on things and it's just like sometimes you see like you like we've described it on like the afro-latino side that like black americans are the white people of black people so even if intentionally we don't mean to cause harm, sometimes we do. So yeah, so there's that thing of just, it's, it's very weird as a Black person because once you leave the United States, even as a Black person, your Americanness outweighs your Blackness. And this is kind of that American privilege that we have, which we don't know we have because most of us never really get the chance to ever travel outside the country yeah you know um i think we kind of talked about this a little bit last episode when maxine was kind of mentioning you know what's happening what's happening with haiti and its economy and how a lot of just like foreign nationals tend to come in you know and they usually use their own foreign currency and stuff like that and they kind of do their own business things but they never invest in the communities the communities there never really reap the benefits of what's kind of happening with a lot of these foreign nationals coming in. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if like more and more countries are implementing it, but now like more of them are kind of developing this thing where in order to become like a permanent resident or citizen, like you'd have to invest a certain amount of yeah. money before doing that. Y'all don't, doing y'all don't that. even want to know how much Austria wants. Y'all don't even want to know. Austria? Y'all don't even want, they want like, they want like three mil for you to become a damn citizen out there three oh mil bro oh man because so, i know i think it's costa rica maybe that's doing like you need to do at least 100k or so like yeah like a lot of places are like they're like somewhat kind of doable like mm-hmm. the caribbean the caribbean is like a, a lot of them is like 100 150 thou yeah but something like that Austria bugging. they really not trying to have us mm-hmm. there <laughs> They're yeah. not trying to have us. They're like, we only need people who can afford. Facts. They yeah. like, and I, I think Switzerland's like that too. I'm not. I think yeah. A lot of the European countries are like super like high end. They're, they really, really, that's just a way of saying we just want other Europeans. Y'all can just stay to go over there. Y'all can stay. Mm-hmm. Y'all can stay. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> like, kind of a thing where like, for the black people, black Americans in particular, who do travel. A lot of those who do have the privilege and resources and access to yeah. travel outside of the country, you tend to notice they're a very particular, they're they're a very particular type. You know, um, kind of what we're going to be talking about in our main topic today. You know, the very black capitalist and a lot of these kind of other things. So their pol- so their politics and their Americanness winds up happening is they go to other countries and if they try to stay there they end up doing to those other countries they they end up adding to the gentrification of those other countries and the way that white people come into our neighborhoods and gentrify to make themselves feel more comfortable and that's kind of what ends up happening 
that's why I definitely have like the whole notion of trying to be mm-hmm. as low key as possible. Yeah, I do and give back. Possibly, yeah. But I definitely want to, because it's like half my brain is, and I was having this conversation with someone else too. And one of his, um, um, it's a Facebook group. I don't want to name it though, because it's like I don't want I don't I don't want her kicking me by accident, because <laughs> she probably yeah. won't. But um, we were having that whole discussion, and it almost felt. I know she probably didn't mean to sound hostile, but it almost sounded hostile because it's like I kept asking her, "What's the alternative, right?" Because I'm 28, right? I'm turning 29 this September. I want to be married. I want to have kids. I want to own a home. And if I can't do those things in a reasonable amount of time, that doesn't mean busting my ass like I'm some mule, mm-hmm. or being in a or be, or having to be in an area where I'm just around very ignorant as hell and closed-minded people simply because of the cheap living I don't want to have to choose between those two things Mm -hmm. and so for me you know I'm with my boyfriend being Ecuadorian and his dad already being a citizen citizenship going from him to me would be super easy so it's Mm. like there would be like the the most it would be like the most seamless transition yeah gotcha and that totally makes sense and also I think yeah you know, I, just, I think I just, want my, I just want my children to be okay. Like, I don't want, I don't want to have, like, I can handle my anxieties on my own self, but I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't want to handle them when I have my kids here. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want, I don't want, yeah, I don't, I don't that want makes sense. It makes sense, and it's for like, the same I'm reason. About, like a shoot up with my kid in there, like, or worrying about my kid getting called the n word by someone, or I'm a, bl- I'm yeah. a blow a casket and I'm gonna go to jail. So I'm and just it's like, the same reason that people, you know, take whatever dangerous trek that they can to get from other countries to here right and you know for a lot of black people here the uh, the they face similar levels of terror in certain situations so they feel like they need to leave the country and i think i think it's a very complicated conversation because on the one hand you want there's the xenophobia of americans and i use that term very as a very blanket term because yeah. you notice it in a lot of black Americans as well, particularly in more recent years, right? Um, so it's kind of this thing of like, you know, you talk shit about people coming here and taking your jobs, but then the first thing you want to talk about when Donald Trump may or may not get reelected is, oh, I'm moving to Canada or, oh, I'm moving to this other country. And it's kind of like this very weird thing that happens, right? At the same time, you know, for if you think that this, that's a decision that you truly need to make for your life and for your children's future and stuff like that, I think you yeah. should have the right to make it. Yeah, I do. Th- it's, exactly. like, I, it's like I want to say I want to say there's definitely a need to discuss what mindful expatting is because it's definitely yeah. doable, but in a mindful manner that doesn't cause so much disruption. Yeah. Like, 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 if you're gonna make businesses in the countries that you're moving into, then hire the people who live there to work yeah. for those businesses. But, don't like, don't export it somewhere, or you know what I mean? Yeah, but even like, I think even in the living situation, because I think in the in the situation you're describing, um, the only level of like weariness I felt in what you're describing is the sense of like almost segregating yourself from the actual community. You know, so you'd kind of be in your own little like community that's for like foreign nationals and people and stuff like that. And then 
you would this idea of trying to only because i don't know if i'd be i don't know if i'd be safe otherwise but this uh, this idea not to call not to call yeah 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 yeah. i get what you're saying but this idea that you kind of need to separate yourself from the country or this idea of like not having a footprint and stuff like that i think the and you see that with gentrification you know here right what ends up happening is you know people come into the community and they're not really investing in the community. They're kind of investing in their own little section of the community. And slowly and slowly as their part of the community gets bigger and they start pricing out everyone else because more and more people are coming in, they price everyone out, they price everyone else out um, versus trying to like integrate yourself into the current society, right? Um, again, I don't know exactly what the right or wrong way, way do of it. doing that we're, de- we're definitely we're, well we definitely got to go and visit and see more of ecuador because my, my i haven't been there yet but my boyfriend has but it, for him it's been a little while but i definitely want to i Check want to out. yeah like because my, my spanish is a little it's like yeah like 70 percent proficient but ultimately like it would be because i mean it, in my line of work i'm eventually hoping to become like a copywriting coach and I've always and I've always had the idea in my mind to become a copywriting coach specifically geared towards people of color because a lot of coaches that are around right now are just not that. Mm-hmm. So and I think at least for me, like I had my my biggest breakthrough with becoming a freelance copywriter was seeing another A-list copywriter of color who's like she was half black, half white. not was is half black half white but like you see her she looks all black you know what I mean and it's just like just seeing her gave me the confidence I needed to be like sure I mean you know people could look at me and be like oh she's not a writer because it's like you know you don't see her faces and you don't I don't see faces like mine in in those kind of professions all the time Mm -hmm. and so when I saw her I was like I can do this and now I'm doing it. And it's like, I would love to be able to go over there and possibly have like one of those, like have like maybe like some private lessons or if anyone's willing to let me have a classroom or something so I could have like an interpreter and teach, you know, the the basics of copywriting. And maybe these people could even do that from where they're living right now. And that would be, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like such a nice life. Yeah. Like it would be my own little, and I'd probably just do it for free. To be honest, like if I'm if I'm making more than enough to just live comfortably, I probably would just do it in my free time, like an hour, an hour or two a week or something. And I think that would be, I think that would be pretty nice. Yeah, mm. I definitely think that we should have a much more thorough conversation on what mindful expect. exiting, yeah, exiting the United States and what that would actually look like and what that would actually mean. Because yeah. I also think there's the issue of like what people think. People, when they want to exit the United States, they are usually looking at, at people who travel and they're looking at their vacation pictures. And it's like they think that living outside the United States would be like this vacation life. You know, they kind of oh, get no. that vacation snapshot. Because like I, I've had to become acutely aware that my Amazon days would be over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm not getting any. Mm. The electronics would be dumb expensive. That cars almost never lose their value. So it's like 
you trash your car, you're not going to find like a 2010 less than what a new car would go for here now because they just keep their value for whatever, for whatever reason. Yeah. And that I'd have to be going to the name brand places because most of these places, most of the auto shops there work on manual cars, not auto. So I'm just like, so it's like, I have to get acutely aware of what, what conveniences I'd have to be giving up. Yeah. 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 Would be a thing and a half yeah and i think again i do want to have a much more thorough conversation about this i know we yeah. you know we just kind of started talking about it um did i tangent y'all i'm sorry yeah it's okay That's fine. We, we do ta- we tangents are natural for us yeah um <laughs> but yeah i do think we're gonna come back to this conversation on a future episode and really get into okay. nitty-gritty of like what living abroad would entail and uh, as black people what it means for those communities and then also for us as black people particularly black americans or you know first generation descended you know black people who were born or primarily raised here in america what would that look like you know going to another country and what our like americanness means in that sense Right, but I think this is a good time to introduce, you know, what our main topic of discussion is going to be. We are going to be talking about black capitalism, and what does that mean? Like, what is black capitalism? What does that mean for us as a black community? And discussion for liberation of black people. Where does capitalism fit into that metric and into that model? All right, so does anyone want to tell us what black capitalism is or want to like define it for us to kind of set the context for what our discussion is kind of going to? From what I read, it seems like it seems like the, 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 the dream premise of it is to lift black communities, poor black communities like out of poverty and to kind of start circulating money within ourselves kind of like just kind of growing like a black economy a black led economy um though i don't like the fact that they've added capitalism to it though because i feel like capitalism and it's just there's there's no winning with it there's no winning with it yeah so as far as the googles and its definition of black capitalism you know The wiki tells us that black capitalism is a political movement among African-Americans seeking to build wealth through ownership and development of businesses, which I kind of have a little bit of issue with because this idea of black capitalism wasn't necessarily birthed from the black community. Um, This was actually a political tactic that was birthed during the Nixon administration, right? And the Nixon administration, for a whole bunch of reasons, was completely and utterly terrible for the Black community. 
and this idea of black capitalism, which you know started coming into prominence during his administration, was primarily used as a way to kind of like offload the responsibility of black liberation from the US government to like, you know, black people just gotta deal with it themselves and find their own solutions for liberation. I think most people don't really know that part of it when it comes to this idea of black capitalism, right? You know, they just think capitalism with a black face on it, which is, you know, again, it's its own series of problems when it comes to liberation. So what do you guys think of that? It just, I mean, it sounds good in theory, like most things mm-hmm. <laughs> sound good in theory. But um, if we were to see it in action, right, if it were to be put into action, right, the, the most, the people who would be growing it the most would be those who have, you know, who are educated, who have a skilled labor that can be used. And then, but then outside of that, it's like you have people who still kind of lack the education foundation, they lack financial literacy. And then without those things and without the resources being given for those things, it it ends up being this unsustainable thing. Mm-hmm. It's like creating money just to create money, but to do nothing with it. It's like, okay, now what? Right, we made these jobs, we made this money, we made this income, we built the economy, but now what? Because there's, there's, there's multiple parts to a working society other than money. Despite money making the world go round, there's other things that make it work, like having sustainable housing, having sustainable healthcare, having financial literacy, knowing how to make a savings, knowing how to plan for the future. Without knowing how to do any of those things, you would be living for the sole purpose of just burning through that money until it's gone, to be honest. I was on Facebook or Twitter, and... There, there was a post, like a screen grab that mentioned like telling a person who's working at minimum wage that they can budget their way t- to being wealthy is just a scam. Like there's no master class, there's no financial literacy plan that's going to help a person who has limited funds budget their way to I'm a millionaire. But like, so that's what actually bringing up financial literacy kind of sparked in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I feel like even if, even if in an imaginary world where someone on minimum wage could possibly budget, they'd have to do, they'd have, they, they would be more or less like 90 years old before actually trying to enjoy that money. They'd yep. be old as shit. They would not be able to afford a decent car. They would not be able to afford a decent apartment. And it's like, you know, it's easy for wealthy people to be like, well, what's a decent apartment? It's like, you could just live in a studio when it's like, yo, y'all forgetting that a studio costs an arm and a leg for a person with a minimum wage job. Yeah. And yeah. then babies happen by accident all the time. Accidents happen all the time. You know, there's this... Yeah. In my, in the whole, during that whole like expat conversation, you know, I follow these two, these two couples that are over there and both of them were making very wealthy money. They had decent healthcare. One accident, ha- it only took one accident while they had healthcare to put them in nearly a million dollars worth of medical debt that almost rendered her husband paralyzed from the waist down and which the, and which the wife had to stop her high paying job to be able to take care of him 
which is why they moved out of the country. So it's like, it only takes for people to assume that anyone can budget their way to do anything when it literally, when there's no real safety net anywhere to put yeah. in place for this country, it takes one thing, just one thing, one mm-hmm. accident, one child, one mistake, one medical anomaly. I don't know. Yeah. Just one yeah. thing that's yeah. out of their control to then mm. put you from at least somewhat okay to just straight up poverty. I'm yeah. pretty sure that, like, Every single homeless person on the, like, every single homeless person, at least in this country, I'm pretty sure many of them had a job before. Many of them were working individuals. Many of them had something. And then yeah. one thing, it only took one thing. One missed, one missed uh, energy bill. One missed mortgage payment. One missed car payment. Like, one missed something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that trickled yeah. down into a dissension of chaos. Yeah. Yeah. There's um something that like I don't know where I heard it, but it's like you're always three bad paychecks away from homelessness. You're not yeah. three good paychecks away from being rich. Exactly. And the same thing where it's like when you live in poverty or when you're making minimum wage, right? You're always one accident away from possibly losing it all. Right, yeah. you're just one bad medical emergency from losing everything. You're I mean, it happened, it happened one... to me during COVID when yeah. I got COVID and I had to be out of work for two weeks. That one paycheck put me behind, and I had to borrow it from my boyfriend. Had I not had him, like what, like what was I gonna do? Wasn't gonna be able to pay rent, that's for sure. Like, had it been longer than that, thankfully it was not. But had it been longer than that, you have, you have COVID putting. 40 million plus people out of work many of them still without work many of them still having to choose between making more on unemployment than having to go to work like there's like people don't like when you're living in a city right like we do like we live in cities but there's people who live in places where there's not a damn bus around them for real for real and they have to have a car because if they don't they're having to find some other means to maintain transportation to even get to their job yeah like to maintain having clean clothes to get to work have like it's 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 insane it's insane where it's like the mo- the, the the money you're making from your job like a, a too big of a portion of it is going to the maintenance of you having to keep that job yeah. buying detergent spending it on water bills having to pay for gas if you're so lucky to have a car paying car maintenance because i'm pretty sure you don't have a good car so you're doing a maintenance mm-hmm. like yeah there's so much stuff that goes into maintaining a job that people just don't even see that it becomes it becomes a bill in and of itself to even keep your damn job that don't pay you enough to keep it like yeah. it's ridiculous ridiculous and i think that's why the idea of capitalism is so appealing or the idea that you know, black people, all we need is just to have a a lot more money to own our own businesses, to be financially straight. And so many of our problems are going to go away and we won't have to deal with, you know, racism and all the, they feel like they don't have this cascading effect, right? Because like, you know, like we were just saying, you know, when when you're living in poverty and again, a large, a significant amount of black and brown people do live near or below the poverty line, right? You're always just one bad day 
away from losing it all, right? So, of course, the idea of, you know, how do we just make ourselves a lot more financially secure, right? It's, it's easy to see how that would be a very liberating idea for a lot of Black people and how that would make it seem like, you know what, if we just had more money and we just had more means and resources, then, you know, we'd be all right. And I also want to, I also want to point out, right, we would have to, we would have to be able to do this and to do this safely, right? Because let's not forget, you got the thing that happened with Vinegar Hill, that was a bustling black business kind of city. They both yeah, yeah. over it. You got, I think it was like, what, what was it? Seneca Valley? Um, for Yeah, for Seneca the, Village. Village, yes. right? Then you got that one that happened. You got, I forgot what the place is called, but it's in Georgia. And it's like, you, they literally flooded it to make a damn lake. And it was another bustling, yeah. like, you know? Mm-hmm. And there it's was like, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like, there's so many places. So it's like, you know, we would talk about black capitalism or how it would be so amazing to be able to have black money circulating in black communities. But it's like, how can we even do that if we're not allowed to do it safely? Yeah, yeah. so my biggest thing, my biggest criticism when it comes to black capitalism and this idea of black capitalists and this idea that, oh, if black people just, you know, own more businesses or ran their own businesses, if black people were homeowners, if black people were this or that, since emancipation, black people have been doing that. You know, black people have owned businesses, black people have been homeowners, black people have been property owners, right? Black people have accumulated wealth. Like people forget that after, you know, emancipation and during the reconstruction period after the Civil War mm-hmm. was probably one of the most prosperous times to be a black person in the history of this country, right? Black people were able to, this is probably the most freedom that, you know, that black people have ever had in this country, right? They were able to be a part of the political process, right? They were able to, you know, immediately because a lot of black people were the craftsmen, they were the skilled labor force. So as soon as they didn't have to do that work for free, they immediately became, you know, very well-off businessmen, being able to now receive the monetary compensation for their labor, right? And what ended up happening after Reconstruction, the federal government couldn't maintain its presence in the South. And as soon as the, you know, the Union Army left and the federal government couldn't put any oversight on the Southern Mm -hmm. states, the Southern states went immediately into Jim Crow. And the southern states did everything within their power to dismantle mm-hmm. the achievements of black people and to make it known that just because black people were technically free, they weren't literally free. You know, you just listed off a name of different places where black people owned homes, owned businesses, you know, they accumulated and wealth, they circulated wealth in their communities. And guess what? these communities by one means or another were completely destroyed, yeah. right? So then Whether the, so it so was the by- true essence, The true essence of a black community thriving or black communities, plural, thriving mm-hmm. is as much as, the, as much as the dollar is important, political standing will always matter more at yeah. the end of the day. Without, without 
without at least half of a black representation of political standing, it's it's no, none of the money is ever going to matter. The yeah. money's never going to matter. Yeah. And yeah. communities, black communities that are thriving, that have wealth, as Corey was saying, they are threats. There, there's like, they're not seen like not seen as progress to the ruling elite to white people it's looking looked at something that's potentially a threat most likely going to be surveilled um controlled they'll make sure that um not enough not a lot of people are going to be able to participate like these they have a office that's supposed to like work with minority businesses that's been around for pre like major like a bunch of presidential um terms and it's literally like does nothing yeah and, and that's, that's and, I'm like, and, I'm, and in my mind i'm thinking in my mind i'm thinking right that's that's honestly what capitalism feeds on capitalism feeds on the it bets on the fact that we're all going to be so so embedded in financial freedom for ourselves that we never think about the political aspect of it all yeah as long as we got our money as long as we got our bag handled then all is good but yeah. it's not and as yeah. long as we and as long as we have our bag individually as long as we have our money individually they'll be like yeah. ah, y'all could just do your shit like i don't care but yeah. the moment we start mobilizing, it's like, all right, now it's getting now it's now it's a fucking problem. And yeah. now they want to do something. Now and they're gonna now yeah. they wanna bulldoze, now and they wanna gentrify, now they wanna yeah. make more taxes that make no fucking sense and all of like all this other nonsense. So until we have political standing, we can all we can all accrue as much money as we want, just as long as we do it individually, singularly, and never yeah. Yeah, yeah, because capitalism as an economic framework needs there to be an underclass. Capitalism only functions if there are people who have nothing, yep. and then there are people who control a minority, uh, majority of the wealth. And then the people in the middle, you know, are fluctuating between living in poverty and living moderately. And then every occasionally you'll have some people who trickle, who trickle up into living as part of the healthy, wealthy elite, right? Yeah. Capitalism oh, and to, and to as a up, and to yeah. trickle up, you have to yeah. sacrifice even knowing the people you were associated with, and yeah. that's that's the price to pay to move on up from poverty or from middle class. Yeah, the price yeah. you pay is forgetting where you came from because you can't do shit for them, and you know you can't. Yeah. But you got your money, you got your bag, and now you just you've lived this life of struggle for so long. You're tired. You cannot fight if you're emotionally and mentally exhausted, which is what yeah. they're betting on. That yeah. is exactly what they're betting on. Your emotional yeah. and mental exhaustion. Because you can't, you can't organize. You can't, you're not, you're not fighting nothing. You're not activism for nothing if you're just tired all the damn time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole concept, like, Capitalism also thrives on the fact that, like, America especially is a very individualist society. Like, it's so much onus put on, like, you need to be responsible for your own wealth. You, you need to bootstrap your way through life. Like, the, the goal is to be rich. The goal is, yeah, the goal of this whole society is, like, yeah, you can be rich if you follow these steps. And it's, like, 
these steps are not meant for everyone. As exactly. Ashley was saying, there's like pull a yourself up by the bootstraps while I like, keep coming and cutting them bootstraps. Go find exactly. another pair and then find another pair. Pull your pair. pull yourself up and we'll just cut you right off. And then uh try to pull yourself up again and we'll just stomp on you. Not yeah. even not even not even cutting the bootstraps, just cutting your Achilles tendon all together. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not standing, you're not standing up. You can yeah. crawl, you can crawl. As long as you crawl out of our way, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like what Ashley was um, getting into is that the idea of black capitalism or the way that black cap, the framework in which capitalism in general uh, functions is that it's very individualistic. It's very for self, right? You know, black people generally in this country are very heavily community based, right? But the way capitalism works is that you have to do what's necessary for you, you know, at the expense of what may be good for the entire community, right? That's why we get, that's why black capitalism tends to never really work. And, you know, Jay-Z is a great example of that, right? Jay-Z is a billionaire, right? And, but how did he become a billionaire? You know, he did what he needed to do for himself to community wealth, but it came at the expense of other people. It came at the expense of the community, right? Jay-Z is part of the reason why Brooklyn is so gentrified right now. His yeah. dealing with the Barclays Center is what's helped to further gentrification in Brooklyn, which screwed over the Black community there, right? Yeah. But Jay-Z made his money moves. He got, he got his payout for the Barclays and moved on. And we saw we people started stepping out and seeing the same thing when it came to the NFL. It's like, yes. sure, Jay-Z came in. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do these things with the NFL. And people are like, no, you know, give him a chance. You never know, blah, 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 blah. His deal with the NFL, who did that benefit? That benefited Jay-Z. That benefited his company, Rock Nation. But that did shit for the Black communities, you know, in which – the NFL quote unquote said it was going to be helping, right? Yeah. The money or investments or whatever didn't go to to organizations, black run organizations in these black communities that were going to help the people there. You know, they went to these other communities, which uh, maybe they're kind of helping, maybe they're not kind of helping. You know, again is this we have so many how many black millionaires do we have in this country right you know we have some famous black billionaires and stuff like that you know you have your oprah's you know tyler perry just became i think a billionaire i think he just became a billionaire again jay-z and beyonce are billionaires and stuff like that and then we have so many wealthy black people right and yet the black community as a whole is still very impoverished. The black community as a whole still has to deal with racial tensions in this country. We still have to deal with unfairness in housing. We still have to deal with, you know, pay disparities, right? We still have to deal with redlining. There's still, there's so many issues within the black community that we still have to deal with. And yet we probably have, we have, probably the most black billionaires and black wealthy elites that we've ever had, right? Yeah. 
So if all we need to do as a black community was just get wealthy and accrue wealth, right? Why is it that we have so many black people, you know, who even if they aren't rich, you know, we have a lot of black people who are upper middle class or are doing well for themselves. And yet the black community as a whole is still is still going not. through all these issues. Yeah. Right? And again, the way capitalism works, not everyone can make it. There has to be a lower class. Cap the United States system of capitalism was built on slavery. The only reason the United States became one of the wealthiest countries in the world is because they had entirely they had an entire labor force that they didn't have to pay for, right? So they could create and export so many products with very little investment because they were using slave labor to boost, you know, the economy and to boost that financial progress, right? And even after the end of slavery, you know, with, through Jim Crow and through the prison industrial complex, school to prison pipeline, all these other things, that the United, you know, the United States and different businesses, whether they're exploiting black and brown people here, or they're exploiting the labor to other countries and exporting, exploiting the black and brown people in other countries, right? There is always this idea that there has to be a lower class that makes little, practically nothing, right, yeah. in order to keep capitalism moving and functioning yeah yeah there like when like when it comes to like billionaires especially like now we've seen like not even just black billionaires like people who are just like um like i would say absurdly wealthy like we just had jeff bezos and Richard Branson, I think that's his name, like, go to space. And it's just, like, um, the funniest thing about Richard Branson is during the pandemic, he went bankrupt and was asking for money for his, for his company. And now he's out here flying to space. Like, he couldn't use the money to improve, a, like, somebody was noting, I think it was about Jeff Bezos, like, so you have enough money to end hunger in the U.S., but you're going to spend it on a spaceship. And a lot of these billionaires are just self-centered, like even black. Yeah. It's just like, the, and then they, like this whole fallacy of like, you can do it too. Yeah. There's, there's no, like, there's no system, as Corey was saying, for like, for people to all win. Not everybody's gonna win. There has to be losers. Like there has to be people working at like modern day slave labor mm -hmm. in order to keep our society running. Like there's so many, especially with the pandemic, there was this whole celebration of um essential workers. There's a ticker tape parade in New York, and it's like instead of ticker tape parading the essential workers, raise their pay. Exactly. Give them living wages. And kind of like what you were saying with, you know, Jeff Bezos, the, in, it's funny because you'll, a lot of people who will probably never see that much money in their lifetime, like Jeff Bezos could end 
hunger in the United States and probably several other countries, you know, with all that amount of wealth, he could end homelessness within the United States with the amount of wealth he's accrued, right? Yeah. But people, the excuse people like to use is, well, that's his money. He can choose to use it however he wants. And if he doesn't want to end world hunger, that's his business, right? And again, I always hated that sentiment. And it always goes back to this idea that capitalism only works, right, when you're looking out for self, right? Capitalism is the idea of accruing and hoarding wealth. Because you can only become a billionaire by hoarding wealth. You can only become a trillionaire by hoarding wealth, right? Yeah. Jeff Bezos makes his mo- a lot of his money, you know, a lot of it through Amazon and through everything else he has his hands in. How is it that Jeff Bezos is a billionaire on track to become one of the world's first trillionaires, right? And yet, you know, he couldn't give his workers at Amazon living wages. He has all that accrued wealth why is it that Amazon workers are, were fighting for living wages, are still fighting for living wages? Fighting it makes absolutely no, like, it, it actually, it, it makes no comprehensible sense, right? Even if you're like, oh, he doesn't have to save the world, why can't he at least take care of the people who work for him and make sure they're good, right? But there's this idea that, oh, all he has to do is look out for himself and accrue his money, and the more money he accrues, the more of a success he is seen as, right? Again, it's kind of like screw the rest of the community. And yeah. that's why black capitalism doesn't really help black us move people. towards liberation for the black community. And it yeah. was never meant to at all. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that this, the idea of black capitalism came around during the... Nixon administration, it became a popular notion around with, you know, Black uh, leaders, particularly those who were coming out of the civil rights era of, you know, the early 60s, because what ended up happening is that, you know, under like JFK and Lyndon B. Johnson, civil rights had like, it was slow, but they were able to make incremental progress, right? What ended up happening when Richard Nixon came into office is he pretty much stonewalled all of that. He was like, I'm not giving any type of ground or leap or anything to civil rights or this idea of black liberation or whatever. And in fact, he did everything in his power to roll back as much of the progress that was made during civil rights as possible. So what ends up happening is that you know, people see no progress under the ideals and everything that was happening under civil rights. And then here comes Nixon, you know, as a way, again, because capitalism is about looking for self, not the community. What he ends up doing is, you know, instead of saying, you know what, the gov- it's the government's job, the way government, the way government had slavery and endorsed slavery, you know, and endorse the mistreatment of black people black folks right in the way government has its hand in keeping black folks down government has absolutely no responsibility in helping black people right black people should help black people so what he does is he kind of offloads the burden of you know black liberation and equality 
right? From being the government's problem to it's like black people's problem. It's like, oh, with the war on poverty and the war on drugs and all other things, it's like, oh, you know, use language that connects black people with prop with poverty, you can use language that connects black people with crime and violence. And it's like, well, all you have to do is get some money for yourself and get on equal financial footing with white people and you'll be good. While at the same time, you know, all the systems that have been in place and have been put in place in order to keep wealth out of black communities, right? And in any meaningful way, those things are still kept in place, right? And the systems that are put in place to help white families, you know, accrue more wealth from themselves, right? Those things are kept in place. So while, you know, white families and businesses have this level of government assistance that's helping them, helping to boost them, while some black businesses are getting some assistance, the illusion of assistance, you know, under this idea of black capitalism and financing your way, you know, out of, you know, racism and into black liberation, right? The things don't add up. And it's like, no matter how much investment or how much, you know, black people try to just finance their way out of, you know, their problems as a black community, the problem is, of the problems within the black community had never solely been a financial problem. They've always been a systemic problem. It's always been a problem with the system because again, people, black people have had wealth, black people have been property owners, right? But it's the system which always when, again, as a community, because again, it's never individual black millionaires and stuff like that, that become an issue. It's when a, a large enough black community becomes affluent, right? That we see this major push to dismantle that community by any means necessary, whether it's flooding it with drugs, literally flooding it and turning it into a lake or dam, burning it yeah. down, bombing it down, right? By any means necessary, once a, as a community, black people become, you know, affluent enough, self-sustaining enough, again, by some manner, is completely destroyed. Yeah. So obviously, it's not the fact that Black people need to pick themselves up by the bootstraps and just finance the way to Black liberation. Evidently, there are some other things going on in the background that need to be addressed. My final thoughts is Black capitalism ain't the wave. Black politics, however, is that's the wave. That's the wave yeah. when you're thinking black yeah. politics or at the very at the very least multicultural politics to a degree. Because yeah. uh, money matters, but politics will always matter more as much as yeah, people yeah. admit it. Yeah. Black capitalism is a scam. Uh and as Ashley was saying, like policies putting in like what like I think of Audre Lorde's like the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house or something like that and it's just Mm -hmm. like we try to claim these policies and a lot of these policies keep getting jacked up by the ruling elite it's just like they're like there's so much um 
legislation that has been put forward that's just been killed by the ruling elite and it's just like exactly there's so many things like so many like reforms or policies that could be put in place that could actually better black lives lives of other people of color but my emphasis is black lives because i forgot who was saying like when you free the most oppressed Mm -hmm. like that's freeing everyone again i don't want anyone to leave the conversation thinking that oh we don't want black people to level up and get a bag or whatever make your money i think that make make your your money. money do what you need to do but understand that at the end of the day, you know, liberation for Black people, liberation for the Black community cannot simply be bought. We can't buy our way to freedom in this sense because no. the system has been constructed in a way, you know, that sure, some of us, will, there will always be some of us who make it, but there's always going to be more of us who fall prey to the system. Again, so make your money, do what you got to do, right? But the only way that Black people as a community and as a collective are going to see any level of liberation and freedom is if our politics and our economics are community-centered, right? In order to solve the problem, we're going to have to dismantle the system, right? And reconstruct this thing so it actually benefits black people and actually puts black people on even footing when it comes to being able to just live their lives you know without all these obstacles put in place simply for the color of our skin so once again thank you to all of our listeners for being here with us especially if you stayed for the entire conversation as always we are very thankful for everyone who listens we have people listen both here in the United States and we do have a few international listeners as well. Um, So I'm very appreciative to everyone who decides to give the podcast a listen. As always, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Cozy Chat Pod. If you have thoughts on the discussion that we had, whether you're for Black capitalism and you're pro-Black capitalism or not, you know, send us your thoughts. If there are some things that you feel that we overlooked in in our discussion or some really major points that you feel needed to be made, feel free to send us an email at cozychatpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at youngroyalty580. Then you can follow me at sash underscore marguerite Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can follow me at Ashley.KitKatCopy. That's K-I-T-C-A-T-C-O-P-Y for my copywriting stuff (laughs) on Instagram. (laughs) Right. And once again, we'd like to thank you for being here with us. Right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.